Welcome to Short Course, episode 34, for September 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. So the first thing I want to talk about this week is the North Carolina section match and Hurricane Florence, which it's been about a week now. Uh, the hurricane hit, made landfall Friday, Saturday-ish, and dumped a huge amount of water on the coast. There just actually remarkable levels of, of flooding, um, all kinds of problems that amazingly Raleigh managed to escape. So I'm luckily safe, relatively unharmed. We just got a lot of rain. But what I want to emphasize is the decision that was made to call the NC section match that was made Tuesday night and the match was supposed to start Thursday morning. And in retrospect, it looks a little bit silly because if you look at the storm track you actually look on a map at the path that Hurricane Florence took, it it almost literally doglegged around central North Carolina. I don't know how much rain they actually ended up getting at the range in Asheboro, but it was significantly less than forecast. We had all week we had been staring down the barrel of a category four hurricane coming straight up the middle of the state. And we'd been looking at that forecast. Ooh. So the probably around Sunday, Sunday, Monday, we'd been seeing that pretty much all day. The grocery stores were emptying of bottled water, all the food, everything was just being stripped bare because usually with a hurricane, the, the forecast wanders around. And so when the forecast didn't change for three or four days, we thought, okay, we're like, we're about to get a, a category four right to the face. And that was that was still the forecast Tuesday night when when they made the decision to call the match and personally I was I was very relieved to get that email you know, my wife and I were actually both planning on working the match with that forecast in the cards we between the two of us we'd been trying to decide do we go do we not go do we need somebody here to take care of the the pets are we still going to be able to board them do we you know, do we want somebody here in case some piece of flying debris breaks a window and then our house starts flooding? And by the by the time Tuesday night rolled around, we pretty much agreed that that both of us should not go. At least one of us should stay at the house during the hurricane. And I, I was caught in this sense of, do I go and fulfill my obligation to work the match, which is inevitably going to suck? The match is going to, because of the rain, the day-to-day -day performance is going to be very different scores would not really necessarily be comparable so that the, the validity of the match outcome would be in question and then I'd be leaving my wife home alone in the middle of a category four hurricane just to fulfill some sense of responsibility and commitment obviously that's not a, a choice I was really looking forward to make but we were basically batting that back and forth when over dinner the email came through Tuesday night saying the match was canceled and I, I really can't put into words the, the level of my relief because I just I didn't want to, to have to make that choice. Ironically, within about, I don't know, it feels like the very next morning, almost that instant, as soon as they canceled the match, the forecast track did almost a 90-degree turn. Instead of coming straight up the middle of North Carolina, it pivoted and went straight on to Wilmington and then down towards South Carolina and, and literally dog-legged around. Raleigh. And it would be easy, you know, I saw some posts online about, oh man, sure would be 
the weather would have been nice today for the staff to be to be shooting. And I, I just I don't want the memory of this match to go down with the, the hindsight of the way the hurricane went. Because I as someone who was going who was scheduled to be on that range for four days in a row, I was I was happy when they when they canceled it because think the the forecast that they were basing that decision on looked very bad. And yes, I'm very bummed that our state match got canceled. I'm very bummed that our sponsorship of that match will be, you know, no one will see the banners and the, the giveaways and stuff, which we actually worked. We, we worked a good amount of time on. We might be able to, to recycle them for another match sometime, but yes, I'm, I'm bummed as a sponsor, but it was the right call to make and any kind of post hoc analysis of what the actual weather ended up looking like. Just you have to remember what the forecast was when they made that call and it, it was the right call. So Bummed that it didn't happen. Bummed that I'm not going to get to work any major matches this year. I, I really was looking forward to doing that. It's not an opportunity that that I get very often, and and yeah, I'm I'm bummed to miss that. But it was the right call to make. The second thing I want to talk about, more just a, a quick item here, just an update from a previous show. Those of you guys who listened to episode 19 about budgeting, I recorded that right before my wife and I were about to make our our last payment, or maybe we had just made our last payment to be completely out of debt, except for our mortgage, paying off six figures worth of all kinds of credit cards and student loans, the the whole deal. And I didn't want to jinx it by promising too much then, but that, that has happened. And in fact, we will be this weekend. I'm actually not going to get to, to go to a match because we are going to Nashville and on Monday, we are going to be on the Dave Ramsey show doing our debt-free scream, telling our story of of how we went through this whole process and followed the plan and, and the results that we saw. So we're, we're actually really excited to be able to go out. If you want to listen, it'll be on the radio Monday, September 24th. So the Monday after this hits the internet. If you're hearing this after that, then you can go back. I think they, they put all the, all the shows on YouTube and the podcasts are available for some period of time, I think a month after they air. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, obviously you can go download. It should be the first hour on September 24th. We should be maybe three minutes, somewhere in the middle of it, if you're that interested. But I just wanted to, to throw that out there that it worked. The, the Everything went according to plan. And so we'll be we'll be in Nashville this, this weekend being touristy on Saturday and Sunday and then uh, and then being on the show. On, on Monday, which is a, it, it, you know, it's a bit of a, an honor and a privilege. So looking forward to that. So main topic for today that I wanted to talk about is the idea of practicing for the level that you want to be at and approaching the, the sport from the perspective of the level that you want to be at, not necessarily the level that you're currently at. So what brought this up is there was a discussion that I saw online where somebody was talking about shooting limited minor and limited major at club matches. And the discussion came down to the guy asking the question was basically saying, I don't shoot very many points, so should I shoot major to help me score better at club matches? And the very narrow answer to that question is, well, yeah, of course. If you're if you're not going to be very accurate, then you should, I guess, shoot major. But in some of the back and forth, as people were asking questions and discussing it more, one of the things that he actually volunteered was that he had shot major 
some before, and it did. He did see a bump in his scores, but even when he was shooting major, he was noticing that the M's and GMs in limited at his club were still shooting significantly more points than he was, even though they were shooting major too. So even shooting major, it was it was a small incremental benefit to his score. But what perplexed me about the question and, and what made me want to talk about it is the idea that optimizing for the short term like that, saying, oh, well, I don't shoot very many points, so what choice should I make? I think making those choices and making those kinds of optimizations is is fundamentally short-sighted. And whether or not you're shooting major or minor, and, and this guy had some other stuff about gun selection. I think he liked his minor gun better, but he would shoot the major gun if he thought it would be an advantage. But that's that's a separate topic. The idea of shooting gear you don't like, which is going to make you want to practice less just to get some scoring advantage. Anyway, different different discussion there. But the idea was basically he wanted to shoot minor, but he was trying to figure out was he shooting himself in the foot, figuratively, by shooting minor when he wasn't shooting very many points and major would help. He didn't put it this way, but major would essentially be a band-aid on that flaw in his shooting. And you can kind of, you might be able to tell from the way I'm talking about it, the answer to the problem is shoot more points. It's not shoot major so that your fewer points hurt you less. It's shoot the gun you like, practice with it, get good, and shoot more points. Because even even the M's and GM's that he was shooting up against, shooting major, were out shooting him on points. So this was probably, who knows, maybe he was double tapping or maybe he was just shooting out of control. But whatever he was doing, fundamentally the techniques were not delivering the points that he needed. And so trying to make the the small marginal optimization of choosing power factor to cover up this problem fundamentally misses the idea that in the long term you want to fix the problem. And so whenever you're you're trying to make a choice or a decision, try and ask yourself, is this something that is a short-term band-aid? Are you covering up for some fundamental problem and you just shouldn't even be worrying about this problem. You should be solving the underlying problem. And if you should be solving the underlying problem, solve the underlying problem. With one caveat, the caveat being, if the underlying problem is going to take a while to solve, and as a rule, most underlying problems do. They're usually either complex, whatever the change is might take some getting used to, or it will require significant practice to override it. Underlying problems tend to take longer to deal with and you may not have that much time. So, just as an example, we're 30-something days away from production nationals, even less than we're under 30 days away from limited nationals. Now would not be the time to switch guns. Now would not be the time to switch from bullets out to bullets forward mag pouches or vice versa, that kind of thing. It's, it's too close. If you're really trying to do well at nationals, making that kind of change so close is probably going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. So if there is some Band-Aid solution that you can do to get you through Nationals, because you've only got a month until Nationals, okay, do that. You know, put the Band-Aid on long enough to get you through that, but then after whatever that event is, whatever that short-term event is, comes to pass, rip the Band-Aid off, make whatever the change is, and, and fix the underlying issue. So 
another similar idea would be if we were talking to this guy and he was going to a state match in two weeks. Yeah, okay, maybe maybe you game the system a little bit and you sign up major and you shoot your major gun to compensate for the fact that you're you're not shooting very many points. But then as soon as that match is over, you switch back to minor. You you practice with the gun that you like the most because you're going to practice more with that gun. If you don't like either of the guns, get a new gun until you get the gun that you feel like is going to take you where you want to go, something that you're excited to practice in, something you want to invest in. If you need help affording that, go back and listen to episode 19 about budgeting. And then practice with that and start working on the underlying issue. Don't don't optimize your game to be the best at the little plateau that you're on because you don't want to stay on that plateau. So another example to, to illustrate the idea, I've been just playing around with recoil springs. In general, I'm one of these guys that I, I don't really tinker with my guns too much. But I, I have been just playing around with running a slightly lighter recoil spring to get a little bit less bounce. And just the fact that watching my gun, the, the brass is barely dribbling out, which is kind of telling me that I'm probably running a little bit too heavy of a recoil spring. So I, it's not the kind of thing that is going to dramatically change my game, but it is something that, that I've sort of been tinkering a bit with in practice. And at the same time, over the last well, year, really, since since nationals last year when I was having the problems with pulling the trigger sideways and throwing a lot of shots into the hardcover left. I've been basically this last year has been spent on and off reworking and reinventing my grip, my trigger pull, messing around with the grips, the the actual physical grips on the guns, like I talked about last week. So there's been some significant changes there that have improved my recoil control, but they're still not totally automatic. It's still something that I'm working on. When I get the techniques right, the gun moves less. And so it actually, where before a heavier recoil spring might have bounced just right, if the gun is moving less, it's actually causing the muzzle to dip more than you would want now. That's that's kind of what I'm playing with. And so the thought occurred to me, well, if I'm not if I'm not really gripping the gun fully all the time now, should I just leave the old recoil spring in so that it works with my old grip. Should I put the new recoil spring in, even if when I don't get my grip right, it will cause me to shoot worse because the gun's flipping a little bit more and and the slide's coming back a little bit harder? Should I optimize the game for where I want to be or where I am today? And obviously when I phrase it like that, you you optimize the gear, you, you make your plans around where you want to be. And so I'm putting in the, the the lighter recoil spring because when I don't grip the gun, I want it to snap on me. I want to I want to practice and have gear and plan my game around where I want to be, not around making the best of where I am. Because I don't where I am in this particular realm is not where I want to stay. And so anytime you make those little compromises, anytime you try and set up your game or set up your gear or set up your mindset around trying to make those little optimizations for for the little plateau that you're on you just guarantee that you're going to stay on that plateau that much longer because you're you're building your your self-image you're building your strategy around that plateau that you're on and fundamentally you you don't want to do that you want to plan around where you want to be you want to say this is this is the way I want the gun to shoot and I'm going to set it up that way until I can shoot it that way 
Now you got to put in the work, you got to have the time, the access to a range to be able to actually get there. This isn't a magical recipe to, if you just, if you just build the gear, then magically the skill will come. Like it's, it doesn't work like that. But when you're making those kinds of choices, and usually when you're making, when you're making a choice like that, there, if you look at it carefully, one of the options is the the short-term optimization. And one of the options is the long-term beneficial option choose the long-term option and then work towards it. Let it be your motivation in long-term over the course of six months, a year, two years, then that will pay dividends and you'll actually keep moving forward instead of just making those little optimizations to be the the best guy on, on your little plateau. On a completely different note, just something I wanted to mention here towards the bottom of the show for the local shooters in the Raleigh area, there's a match at the Wake County Action Pistol Range. It's an outlaw match. I've actually kind of talked about it before in somewhat indirect terms on episode eight, talking about outlaw matches. This was the match that that inspired that, actually. It's back. It's being run by a new match director who's putting all of his weight behind it and, and doing a really good job with it. It's, it's the same old rules format. So it's weeknight, third Monday, fourth Wednesday, run what you brung, as long as it's a, a safe holster, safe gun, you need two magazines. Most stages, it's just somewhere between the first and the last shot, do a reload. Stages are 12 to 24 rounds usually. No power factor requirements. If you want to come shoot a 22 or something and that's all you got, come shoot. It's a it's a really fun match. The, oh, the time scoring is time plus one second per point down, which is actually, they've been running that scoring system for at least probably five years, way before IDPA went to it, which I think is really a fun challenge because it really, it, it tests your ability to really dial back and just, just try and go for alphas. So I think it's interesting, even though it's very different from USPSA, I think it's good to get outside your comfort zone like that. But yeah, great match. It's 6.30, 7 o'clock in the evening on the third Monday and the fourth Wednesday at the Wake County Firearms Education and Training Center in Holly Springs, which is, it's right on 540. So it's easy to get from any, easy to get to from pretty much anywhere in Raleigh or Durham. And yeah, it's a good time. There'll be, so this episode goes up on Friday, the 21st, the following Wednesday, the 26th, I believe there will be uh, another match. It'll be the second match for September. So sign up, go shoot that. It's a good match. I, I'll be trying to make as many of them as I can just because it's, I mean, it's a weeknight and it's not otherwise a night you'd get to go to practice. Folks usually go out to dinner afterwards. So it's actually, it's really good, a, a good chance to actually meet some of the people you shoot with where most USPSA matches, especially around here with seven or eight stages, you're shooting all day and everybody's ready to just pack up and go home. So it, it tends to be less social than it could be. And this, this match is the opposite. So highly recommended. If you have any questions or you want to know how to get involved, feel free to email me podcast at barryshooting.com or just ping me on Facebook or Instagram, get in touch with me. They have a, a Facebook page, but it's a good match. Come out and shoot. One last item here at the bottom is just something that I've added to the blog, which is something that I actually made for my own use, which are alphabetical indices or indexes of all the drills in both of Ben Steger's Reloaded books. So this is Dry Fire Reloaded and Skills and Drills Reloaded. And I just, I found that I would be, I'd want to 
I'd want to know like, oh, what's his part time on distance changeup, or what should the part time be for twenty yard doubles or whatever. And I'd have to flip through the book because there's a chapter table of contents at the front, but there was no index alphabetical by drill with the individual drill page number on it. And so I just sat down, just typed them all up, wrote a little script to generate them all nicely formatted, and then uploaded them to the blog. So the URL is berryshooting.com slash indexes, I-N-D-E-X-E-S. Or if you just go to berryshooting.com up in the tools menu, there's the there'll be a section called book indexes. That's also just below that is the book section. That's the recommended reading list and all the other stuff on the, on the blog. So those are up there. They're PDFs and I sized them so that you can cut them out and stick them in the book. I just used some scotch tape just to stick it in the, the page underneath the safety warnings. So it's always right at the front of the book. And anytime I would just want to flip to it and find a drill and, and look it up real fast, it's, you know, it saves me a couple minutes here and there, but it just, it was a, it was a minor annoyance that, other people may have. So if that, if you've wished that there was a quick way to look up a drill by page number in either of those two books, now there is go to, go to the blog, download those, print them out, cut them out and stick them in your books. If you see any issues or any errors or any corrections, just email me podcast at barryshooting.com and I'll get them fixed and get new versions uploaded. But other than that, that wraps up this episode of short course. If you want to get in touch, my email is podcast at barryshooting.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. Talk to you next time.